0: visit AscentEquityGroup.com forward slash best deal to schedule a call. That's A-S-C-E-N-T, EquityGroup.com slash best deal. This opportunity is open to accredited investors only.
1: If you're afraid of something, it is a sign that you should do it. And so a lot of people talk about fear and failure and kind of how it's a negative thing. And there are people that talk about how you can grow and learn from it. But a lot of the things that we've been talking about and a lot of things that I've done for you have come out of a conquering a fear. Best
2: ever listeners, do you want to make more money on your real estate projects? Well, I'm guessing that I'm hearing you say, oh yeah, baby. <laughs> well, guess what, my friends? Today's best ever sponsor, Fund That Flip, is working with well one of our previous best ever guests who has the most po- one of the most popular episodes, Jay Scott. If you aren't familiar with episode then go check that out episode 217 if you are because you're a loyal best ever listener then you know that he knows how the heck to both analyze deals especially flips how to optimize the profits on those flips and how to look at the market because of that fund that flip today's sponsor has worked with him and put together a guide that is the seven tips to increase your real estate profits in today's market. Go check that out. Go get that guide. I've read through it myself. I've learned a lot of things from it from how to analyze the market cycles as well as how to optimize profits and not lose money or mitigate your risk for losing money on your deals. Go check it out. fundthatflipcom forward slash best ever. That's F U N D phatflip.com forward slash best ever. You're going to learn the tools to better understand your local market and position your business for success. You're going to know how to analyze the real estate cycle and how to use short-term investing to capitalize on the market cycle, and seven concrete actionable tips to make more money on your deals fundthatflip.com forward slash best ever. Best ever, listeners, hello, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is a show where we cut out the fluff and we only talk about the best advice that moves your business forward. And well, we are now the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast with us today. We have another best ever guest and well, I know I'm pretty darn well and we'll get into that in a second. How you doing? Theo Hicks.
1: I'm doing well, Joe. Thanks for having me, and it's great to talk to you. Best ever, listeners.
2: Yeah, that's right, my friend. And here's the deal, best ever, listeners. Theo, you might recognize his name. He is the co-author of the book with me, The Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, Volume 1. He helped me write the book, and he is now starting to work with me on some real estate investing for a new venture I'm doing Just saw an opportunity and if you're curious about that, then listen to Friday's episode and Theo and I talk about it on Follow Along Friday where I invite him to the show and we talk a little bit more kind of free-flowing. We won't get into that as much on today's show. We're going to be more focused on Theo and his background and how we got to this point. A little bit about Theo He's a chemical engineering major from Ohio State University. He graduated in 2013, so relatively recent grad. I call him Thinking Theo. He makes me smarter every time, most of our conversations. Sometimes we just talk about like your dog and the collar that makes a lot of jingly noises when the dog (laughs) walks. So I I can't say that that I, I feel smarter after that, but most of the time when we talk, I feel a whole lot smarter and I suspect you will too from after our conversation. As I mentioned, he's also the co-author of The Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever, Volume 1, and he is the host of a wonderfully thought-provoking podcast called The Unplugged Podcast. It's not real estate-related, but it certainly ties in to real estate from an entrepreneurial mindset standpoint. And it really opens your mind and how you think about self-awareness, first and foremost, at least what I've gotten out from it. So with that being said, Theo, oh, and by the way, he has invested in real estate. He has got a, a duplex under his belt right out of college. And so we're gonna talk a little bit about that. And then just also in general, how he is strategically thinking about growing his brand and his business because he's made some partnership alignments, one of them, and I think primarily with me, and I would like to know just how he thinks about the strategy behind it as he builds his business. So that being said, Theo, you want to give the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now?
1: Thank for that great introduction, Joe. So I got started kind of unconventionally when I purchased my duplex, I really didn't know anything about real estate whatsoever. It was kind of one of those things where I didn't realize I was allowed to invest in. And I was hanging out with some friends one night, and they're older than I am, and I'd met him through work. And we kind of started talking about what our life purpose were and what our plans were for our lives and kind of complaining about our corporate jobs. And they both told me how they had rental properties and how simple it was and how sometimes they only remember that they had these properties when they got their rent checks at the end of the month. And so at this moment in my life, I was definitely prepared to kind of jump on any type of free opportunity as it seemed at the time. So literally that next day, I went into a real estate agency and met with a real estate agent and basically spit back to her exactly what my friends told me to say, because again, I didn't know anything about real estate. And I think this is let's say a Tuesday when I had this meeting with her and then she set me up on the MLS automated list serve and I got an email that night for a duplex and I'm just like, well, I guess I'm supposed to buy a duplex and go see this property (laughs) that very next day I went and saw the property and I'm walking through it. And again, no idea what I'm doing. And I'm just like, I mean, it's a duplex. It looks like it's fine. So let's just put an offer on it. And so within I'll say 24 hours of even knowing that I'm allowed to invest in real estate, I had, a property under my belt and it obviously wasn't as simple as my friends made it seem and since I had no knowledge of it I had a lot of funny issues kind of looking back they're funny but at the time they weren't issues that I kind of ran into from the beginning but overall a really good cash flowing property and I'm really glad I, I jumped in and took advantage of the situation.
2: What are the numbers
1: on it? So I bought the property for 170k and I actually got an FHA loan on it because I had the intentions of living in one unit and renting out the other unit. But to make a long story short, it didn't end up happening. But I put in 25k in renovations, so I was in the property for 195,000, and my rents were 2,600 a month, and the expenses were around 1,400 bucks, and so it's positive cash flow of 1,200 bucks a month.
2: Well, when you get an FHA loan, don't you have to live in it in order to adhere to the loan covenants?
1: Yes, you do. And I got it through a mortgage broker. Mm-hmm. And so he was like a middleman. And that's what he said. And so I had the intentions of actually moving in there. And I was going to rent it out to friends. And when I had the property under contract, the roommate I was living with at the time was supposed to move in it. And I was going to give him super inexpensive rent. I think I was going to charge him like 500 bucks a month. And that was the, the plan throughout the whole entire renovation. And then once the renovation was complete, he decided to back out last minute. And so I had no one else to live above. And then so I kind of planned on moving into one of the units to try to find someone else to move in there. And I had another buddy who was lined up to supposed to live in there. And he backed out last minute. And then so I kind of just threw my hands up in the air. and was just like, this property might potentially be cursed and so I'm just going to rent it out and get out of there. And hopefully the lenders aren't going to have too big of a deal. And I actually reached out to him and he said that there's really no problem doing that. It's just if I plan on refinancing the property, I would have trouble since it was an FHA loan and I no longer live there.
2: Just so it's clear in my head, when you get the FHA loan, you have to live there within a year? True or false?
1: So I believe it's the intentions because I really had the true intentions of living there. It's just I literally couldn't do it. And I think the actual the reasoning why I told him I couldn't live there is because I got a new job that required me to travel up into the Dayton area. Mm. And so I actually did move to a distance that was closer to my actual job. So that was kind of the thing that I got to use for why I didn't live there. Whereas in, in reality, it wasn't necessarily that. But according to my lender, he told me that as long as your intentions are to live in the property, then that's how you were able to get an FHA loan.
2: The actual lending institution was fine with that as well.
1: Yes. And the only issue was when I went to refinance the property a couple months ago, since I no longer lived in the property, the mortgage broker I was talking to, I'm not sure specifically why he couldn't do the refinance, but he could not refinance the property because I was not living in it anymore which is one of the reasons why I decided to actually sell the property. It's under contract right now.
2: Mm-hmm. What's it under contract for?
1: It's actually under contract for $250,000.
2: Quick math, $55,000 spread. Before you're all in at one ninety-five, right?
1: Yes, and then I, I paid down the mortgage a little bit, and I've gotten some cash flow back from actually having the property for a year. So overall, the spread from the little one-cheater that my real estate agent sent me would be sixty three thousand dollars at the actual sale of the property, and then you subtract out what I put into it and then the spreads around what you said, yeah,
2: okay how much of a down payment did you have on this property?
1: The down payment for the fHA portion of it was fifty five hundred dollars, but looking back, I didn't know what a two or three K loan was at the time, yeah, and so going back, I would have done a two or three k loan to wrap the renovations into the actual loan. So my down payment would have been a lot less because I actually had to end up paying that $25,000 in renovations out of pocket. Mm-hmm.
2: And uh, best ever listeners, just so you know, a 203k loan is part of the FHA program where, as Theo just said, you wrap in the down payment plus the renovation costs into one loan versus having to go get two separate loans. Right, Theo? Yes. Okay. And it's very desirable. I've interviewed a lot of people who have done that for small multifamily, two to four units. And when you run the numbers that way, assuming that you're doing it right, you can come away with a pretty handsome profit for very, very little out of pocket.
1: Yeah. The ROI was pretty crazy. Yeah. Just because it was such a minimal amount of money down.
2: hmm Well, so you've got this deal. And did you save the 5500 from your... Working for, I guess, a year or two out of college.
1: Actually, I got a full tuition scholarship to Ohio State, and my parents had like a a college fund saved up for all the kids. And since I never used the college fund for actual college due to the scholarship, then the the deal was that once I graduated, I would really use that fund in order to buy like a house for myself. So initial intentions were like a house for me to live in, but. Mm I convinced my parents to allow me to have it for an investment property. And luckily, they were on board and they trusted me with that money because technically it wasn't mine.
2: Fair enough. Okay. So you used the tuition money that was going to go towards tuition, but you got a full scholarship, so you did that. Makes sense. Now that you've got this deal where you're under contract, you're scheduled to close, going to make roughly $50,000, what's your next step
1: so my next step is i want to take this cash to upgrade to a basically more units so whatever i i can actually get this down payment for cuz it'd be what $50,000 so i could get a property for about $500,000 and so my goal is to get one property you know one roof multi units get a property manager in there and just have it be strictly passive just because I do really enjoy real estate, but the real estate aspect of it, but my intentions now for doing real estate is in order to have that passive income so I can do other things that I like to do, like my podcast and, and write books and, and things like that.
2: Mm-hmm. Might need to lower the price point on that bad boy a little bit if you got 50K, because 500,000 would be a 10% down payment and that doesn't leave anything for closing costs.
1: I also have some extra money saved up from my job that I plan on bundling into the profit I make from this. It'll be closer to 75 to 90 around that area.
2: Okay, got it, got it. There is a lender in Cincinnati for any investors who are uh, interested in Cincinnati who does 10% down on multifamily properties. I forget the name, but if you're really curious, then email me info at joefarless dot com and I shall try to dig it up. No promises though. But more importantly, if you're not interested in Cincinnati or if I can't find this <laughs> this bank's in this gentleman's name, for the best of our listeners, find a portfolio lender, local credit union, or community bank, because they're the type of institution that will do that type of loan program. All right, Theo. One other question, then we'll ask you the money question. When you are thinking about your overall brand, and if you even do, I don't know if you think about this or not, where do you see your brand or you personally or your company in the next five years?
1: So this is something that I spend a lot of my time, maybe more than others. I spend a lot of my time I mean, hours and hours a day thinking about kind of what my long-term trajectory is. And actually, as of now, and I'm not, I, I've i actually never heard this from anyone before, but this is kind of where I'm at right now, is I plan on taking these next four to five years to just obtain as much experience and knowledge as I possibly can and try to help as many people as I can by kind of funneling it through you with uh, the writing and the deals and just getting as much as much experience and knowledge as I can. And not even focus on, on myself, only in regards to the knowledge, but helping other people. And then by the time I'm 30, 31, I'll have enough experience and I'll, I'll know enough to actually be able to make an educated decision as to what I want to do long term. Because a, a big problem I have right now is this might transition into the what my best ever advice is. But I'm very, I want to say un, indecisive, but it's kind of like I, see, I've, I fall for the shiny object syndrome a lot. And I see all these different things. I'm just like, oh, I want to do that. But then if I do that, I might miss out on doing this or Mm -hmm. uh, things like that. And so I don't think I'm at the point right now where I can even, I guess, say trust myself to make the correct decision on the correct career path. And so I want to kind of pull it back a little bit and take the time since I'm still in my 20s to just gain as much experience as I possibly can. And then in five years from now, pick and kind of decide and be like, okay, I really, really enjoy that and I'm really good at that. So I'm going to put all my eggs into that basket Mm -hmm. instead of kind of putting eggs in multiple baskets and kind of hoping that one of them ends up coming to fruition, if that makes any sense.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a very similar approach that I take where you know I've, I've got on my vision board, the secret to living is giving. And another one is the Zig Ziglar, helping enough people get what they want and you'll eventually get everything you want. And I know that's how you and I started our business relationship. And we'd known each other a little bit before we started the business relationship. But Theo came up to me and he attended one of the meetups here in Cincinnati. And he's like, hey, I'd I'd like to help you out. What do you need help with? And at the time it was uploading YouTube videos on my YouTube channel once a week and then doing some other miscellaneous things. And then the more I saw his work ethic and the quality of his work, the more we started working more and more together. And then lo and behold, fast forward six months later, and we've got a book on Amazon that's being endorsed by Barbara Corcoran. So you never know where that approach will take you as an individual. And I, I can tell you firsthand, I've witnessed the same thing. I mean, just this last weekend, I was going out basically like the who's who of Cincinnati famous doctors. Uh, A lot of them are doctors, but surprisingly no lawyers. Maybe doctors and lawyers intentionally don't hang out together. Uh, (laughs) But but my whole approach, I met most of them for the first time. My whole approach is just seeing what I can do to help them out. And usually it's their kids who are a little bit younger than me and connecting their kids to people I know to help them in their careers. And that's it. I'm not looking for anything. I'm just looking to help out And I know just through firsthand experience, it always comes back full circle.
1: Absolutely. The foundation of how I'm trying to spend these next five to six years, just put out as many lines as possible and see how many bites I get and and whatnot. But I guess I'll discuss that more for the best ever advice, because what we're talking about here has to do with my best advice for sure.
2: Well, let's roll into it, baby. What's your best real estate investing advice ever?
1: I wrote this down. It's something that I have on my, like a little note card on my computer, which is that if you're afraid of something, it is a sign that you should do it. And so a lot of people talk about fear and failure and kind of how it's a a negative thing. And there are people that talk about how you can grow and learn from it. But a lot of the things that we've been talking about and a lot of things that I've done for you have come out of conquering a fear because you may not know this, but I'm I'm not very social. I'm kind of anti-social. I don't like going out and talking to a lot of people. And I remember so vividly kind of the chain reaction that led to this moment right now. And it all started when I remember one of your first mastermind groups I was going to go to. And I Mm -hmm. had had, had two guys that were signed up to go with me because, again, I was kind of afraid to go by myself because I didn't know anyone. And that's just kind of how the personality that I have. And last minute, like I'm talking five minutes before I'm about to leave, they say they don't want to go anymore. And so I had this five-minute moment where it's like, I get that overwhelming feeling. I'm just like, oh, man, like, I guess I just, I'm just not going to go because they're not going to go with me. And then something in my head was like, no, Theo, just do it and go. And so I ended up going. And that was the night when you asked for help for your business. And again, that same voice came in my head. And it's like, oh, like, you don't know anything about podcasts. You don't know anything about marketing or business. This is your first time. You know, just sit there and don't say anything and, you know, just don't do anything. But then the angel on my shoulder was like, no, Theo, just go up there and talk to him and figure it out. And so I so, you know I was I was afraid and I remember I, when I walked up to you, I was still a little fearful, but I got over that. And just by those two tiny little decisions that I made it has like become a chain reaction to where I'm at right now. And at the time, I would have had no clue that would have led to me writing being an author in a book or me being a guest on the best real estate investing advice ever all within not even a year, like yeah. six, seven months. So I try to live like it's that kind of a principle I try to live my life by. And so kind of along the same line of helping people out, but it's like whenever I say I'm going to do something and I feel fear, I know that I have to do that. I know that's something that I need to do in order to, at the very least, grow and learn to do things that I'm afraid of. Mm
2: -hmm. At what point do you recognize that the fear is healthy and you should stay the heck away from it?
1: I know it intellectually right now, but there's still times. I mean, I'd probably say five, ten percent of the time when I feel fearful, I actually take action on it. I think it's like a muscle that you have to build, and something that I do, and it's kind of silly, but every morning when I'm in the shower, when I turn it on, I want to make sure that I do something at least once a day that I'm afraid to do. A type of fear, even just a subtle fear. And so I'll turn it on, freezing cold, and I'll just stand in front of it for like (laughs) ten seconds, and then it's like I'm like, oh. Oh, and then I, I walk away and I'm just like, all right, I did one thing I was afraid of today.
2: <laughs> uh, it's funny. And in that example, could you do the cold water thing multiple days or is it a unique thing every day?
1: I just do the water thing every single day because you would think that you'd get used to it, but <laughs> it, you don't. <laughs> it's just it, it sucks every single time. <sighs> but you can extrapolate that to everything you know like I was afraid and I was I I didn't like the sound of my own voice I have a stutter and I wasn't very good at speaking so I'm just like and so I was always afraid to do it and I'm like oh well the best way to get over that is just to start a podcast and so I started a podcast to get over my fear of speaking another example is when I you know went and talked to you at that that thing and to, to your from your perspective it probably didn't seem like a big deal but for me it was like a big thing to do just to walk up to this guy who know, owns millions of dollars in real estate and to kind of put yourself out there and be vulnerable. So that's, that's kind of what's going on with that fear aspect of it. It's like a, you know, whenever you feel that, that fear, it's because you're afraid to actually be vulnerable, but that's like a healthy thing because that's how you get opportunities and that's how you grow when you kind of put yourself out there and to be vulnerable and kind of just say like, just put it out there and just hope that you don't get rejected. And if you do, it's a learning experience and you
2: you keep on rolling. And because a lot of people do get rejected and they stop and they shut up and they don't do anything, they go back into a shell and they go hang out with their two roommates and play video games. And that doesn't get you to where you're at right now. And same can be applied for anyone else, right? Myself included.
1: Absolutely. It's like it's a constant, lifelong growing experience of getting over these little humps of fear and eventually try to just eliminate as much of that as possible until you're walking around and you're you're fearless. There you
2: go. Well, that's a perfect transition to... You ready for the best ever lightning round? I am. Let's do it. All right. We'll approach this fearlessly. First, a quick word from our best ever partners. Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289. His company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M A V E R I C K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever. Best ever book you've read?
1: The Art of War by Steve Pressfield. Oh,
2: yes, that is on my list. I will
1: be buying that. It Best, is amazing.
2: Yep. Best ever personal growth experience and what you learn from it?
1: I think we've hit on it. I think just me starting my podcast was a huge growing experience because this is something that I was afraid of for a very long time. And I finally did it and is going fairly smoothly thus far.
2: <laughs> That's all you can ask for it to go fairly smoothly because it, it usually won't go all the way smoothly. Exactly. Best ever way you like to give back?
1: Right now, my best ever way to give back is through my podcast and just kind of trying to spread the things that I've learned and all the books that I've read and all the knowledge that I've gained and try to just explain it in a empathetic way in order for people to open their minds and kind of grow and become a a, a better person. So that's kind of how I do it right now. And eventually, I'll hopefully open up some nonprofits so I can give back more.
2: What's the biggest mistake you've made so far in business or real estate?
1: My biggest mistake so far was not putting the utilities in my name for a property that I purchased in the middle of winter. A a lot of pipes burst. Not putting them in your name? I forgot to put the utilities in my name, and I just assumed that it would just kind of transition from the other owner, and they would keep the utilities on. I just needed to put my name into it, but I guess that's not the case, and they actually shut the utilities off. And so the first day I walked into my property... I found a waterfall in my basement because of the pipes being burst.
2: Oh, uh, no. How much did that cost?
1: Luckily, I knew a contractor, so it only cost me a couple hundred bucks.
2: Mm, that's a scary moment, though. That's for sure.
1: It was terrifying. <laughs>
2: Especially on your first property. Oh, yeah. My, my first property, after one month, we had to evict a tenant because my property management company was just terrible. And I, I since learned that and I fired them like eight months after that. But uh, it's, it's it's not fun to stumble right out of the gate. What's the best place the best ever listeners can reach you?
1: Uh, you can find my podcast, The Unplugged Podcast on iTunes, or you can go to my website, which is theohicks.org.
2: Well, Theo, I'm always really grateful that we were able to have our conversations Really glad that you were able to be on the show today for a couple reasons. One, pretty black and white, your case study for the duplex. That's interesting how you got the duplex, how you just dove into it. And now as you're exiting in a very short amount of time, one lesson learned, you should have done the 203k loan, would have been a better return, could have rolled in the rehab stuff instead of paying out of pocket. And then also your approach where if you feel fear then you have to do that and as you said that's how you get the opportunities doing one thing every day that you are fearful of or that you don't want to do or that comes unnatural to you and just boom taking it head on you've got the podcast you're a co-author of a very popular book already And you've got a lot of big things ahead of you. I'm really grateful that you're on the show and I hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon.
1: Thanks, Joe. Really appreciate it.
2: Best ever listeners, Matt Bowles, who was a guest on episode 289, his company, Maverick Investor Group, has a special report just for you on how to avoid the seven biggest mistakes in real estate that investors make in the 2016 boom cycle. Get yours free at maverickinvestorgroup.com forward slash best ever. That's M-A-V-E-R-I-C-K investorgroup.com forward slash best ever.